0: Welcome everybody to Revive Health's Daily Briefing Live for Monday, May 18th, 2020. This is our 30 minute review of the latest, most important news, resources, and advice for health system marketers and communicators dealing with COVID-19. I'm Chris Bevelo, Health Systems Practice Lead at Revive Health and your host for the show. I'm joined by Chase Kleckner, who is Senior Marketing Manager at Revive Health and our show's producer, hello Chase. Hey Chris, you have a good weekend? I had a fine weekend. How was yours? It was good. Yeah. Good. We are also joined today by Gail Pryor, who is Vice President of Content Revive Health, and Luke Farkas, who is Director of Business Strategy and Growth at Revive Health. First, Gail. Uh, her role as a writer and editor for healthcare organizations has given her a front row seat to the innovations taking place across the healthcare ecosystem. She has served as Senior Editor for Athena Insight, the digital magazine sponsored by Athena Health, where she published data-driven articles about innovations read by 25,000 executives and clinicians each month. Hi, Gail. Nope, you're muted. We want to hear you. Sorry about that. There you go.
1: Hi, Chris. <laughs> how are you?
0: Very good. Very good. This is your first time on the show, right?
1: It is, but you would well, think I would know how to unmute myself at this point.
0: <laughs> oh, it happens in every Zoom meeting. We all know. We're all familiar with it. No worries at all. Thanks for joining us.
1: Sure. Good to be here.
0: And Luke, who oversees our business development efforts and corporate marketing functions here at Revive Health, and is also overseeing the team responsible for our growth strategy. He helps refresh the agency's POVs that show up in our marketing channels, proposals, and pitches across all service segments. Hello, Luke. Hey, Chris. How's it going?
2: Is this your first time on the show? This is my first time on the show. Wow. So
0: two first-timers, plus this is the second time we've had more than one guest. So that is just a bizarre confluence of firsts and seconds, I guess. (laughs) Well, thank you.
2: Happy to be a first and a second. Yeah.
0: Cool. All (laughs) right. So we're going to dive in with both you guys here in a a bit. As with each show, we plan on covering the latest news on COVID-19 and how it relates to marketing communications and provide helpful resources, uh, most importantly, share what we're seeing and hearing from across the industry. We want this to be an interactive session as much as possible. So if you have a question for Gail or Luke or Chase or myself, uh, just put that in the question and answer queue in Zoom at the bottom of your Zoom window, and we'll get to as many as we can at the bottom of the show. You can also use the chat function to talk to other attendees. Chase will be using that to post some links to things we're talking about. But again, if you have a question, make sure it shows up in the Q&A queue only. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Search for Revive Health Daily Briefing Live. Uh, we'll be posting a recording of this episode as we do every day uh, this afternoon. You can find that at our website, thinkrevivehealth.com. Uh, and we have a communications hub where these recordings are all housed. That's at thinkrevivehealth.com covid 19. And we've got all kinds of other content there. We'll hit on in a little bit. Uh, A couple of important notes for each show. We are not experts on COVID 19 itself. So this is not a place for medical or scientific advice or resources. We do, however, have opinions on marketing and communications for healthcare uh, related to COVID 19. Just make sure you take whatever we say and run it through the filter of your own situation, your own community, because obviously everyone is experiencing this a little bit differently as we move through it. So first, we're gonna talk about a couple of news items. The first one we always hit on is uh, a count of cases and deaths both globally in the United States. We do that so that we can kind of keep an overarching perspective on the things we're gonna be talking about as we move through um, what we used to say, move through this pandemic, and now we may need to be saying, move through this initial wave of the pandemic. Who knows how we're gonna to have to couch that, but. Um, We obviously are uh, moving through whatever it is we're going through now in in a certain way and knowing kind of where we're at on that curve uh, is really important for the things we're going to talk about. So we use the Johns Hopkins tool. And when I refreshed it before the show, globally, we have 4,758,937 confirmed cases and 316,277 global deaths. When we look at the United States, um, we are now at 1,491,547 cases confirmed. And we are at 89,666 deaths. So not quite at the 90,000 mark. Uh, We'll obviously probably hit that today or tomorrow. If you look on the tool, you can see that in terms of at least daily cases, we're gradually moving kind of down. I would say about maybe a a 20% incline, um, maybe 30% depending on um, exactly what you're looking at. But definitely kind of moving through. Obviously, we're not sure where that's going to continue with a lot of the country reopening. Um, Will we see that continue to downslope? Will we see it go back up? that's something we need to really pay attention to in our field, obviously. And then another new story that uh, Gail actually um, brought forward uh, is from the Commonwealth Fund. And it talks about primary care uh, and its important role in fighting COVID-19. And we're going to spend some time today talking about that relative to Walmart and some other retail health trends. Gail, is there anything quick you want to talk about in terms of that article, which um, Chase will share for folks in the channel?
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, we all know that primary care is really suffering along with um, every a lot of other aspects of healthcare right now due to folks staying away from health care um, out of fear of the virus. So um, it, I thought the article was interesting because it suggests some ways that primary care uh, practices can reconnect with patients in ways that feel safe to patients. Um, so people are getting really creative out there and that's um, encouraging to see because we, we need our primary care doctors um, and it's encouraging to see how they're beginning to adapt to the situation.
0: Great. Great. So I encourage people to read that. We're going to talk more about primary care on Wednesday when Jared Ursi comes back um, and we're going to dive a little deeper and just to kind of the, the business threat that they're under because of COVID. And I think we'll kind of talk a little bit about that today as well. So um, check out that story. A couple more things, then we're going to dive in with Luke and Gail a little deeper on this. Um, remember to visit our communications hub. So that, again, is at thinkrevivehealth.com COVID-19. Uh, you can also go to our homepage and go to the uh, top where there's a banner that will take you there. So at that communications hub, again, we have recordings of this show that we post every day. We have the content from our biweekly e-newsletter that we put out that has all kinds of of information and advice. Uh, We also have a lot of content around rapid recovery, which is really the period that we're in now uh, where hospitals and health systems really need to um, make sure they're effectively retaining the patients who they were uh, supposed to have been seeing during the COVID crisis whose care was put off, canceled or postponed, uh, and also trying to build up volumes given the financial situation that they all face. Um, primary care as, as Gail alluded to is just kind of the tip of the iceberg. Obviously all hospitals and health systems have really suffered financially. So this period where we're coming out of COVID for the most part in this country uh, and reopening Uh, really important over the next two or three months that we're doing everything we can to to, uh, shore up our census and our volume. So a lot of resources there as well. Okay. So Luke and Gail, let's start by talking about Walmart. Why are we talking about Walmart? Who wants to start?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good question. I mean, we're, we're, uh, we are not oblivious to the fact that in, in most cases for health systems, particularly health system marketers and particularly health system marketers with in a market that Walmart's health footprint has not, um, has not been established. Uh, this is not on the top of their priority list. In fact, it's really low on the, on their priority list. I think, um, I think that the reason that we are talking about Walmart is much less about Walmart and much more about the symbol of kind of, Primary care and the and the reverse trends that we think might be uh, beginning to show up in light of COVID. Um, I think it's noteworthy for us to pay attention to any healthcare provider that whose business is not crumbling right now. Um, and and I think and I think that in in the case of um, in the case of Walmart Health, it reminds me in many ways of you know 2010 Netflix took over Blockbuster completely like that that was. Uh, That was over in in 2010, Um, and then Netflix kind of had this big rise to being the main player in original video content um, streamed into people's homes, and then Amazon comes along and says, I'll do you one better. We'll start making some some original content. We'll have streaming services the same way, but we'll post up our streaming business with selling whatever the heck consumers need, right, Um, and we won't rely on the video subscription that netflix relies on now netflix is going to have probably a happy future um, in many ways but i think it's 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 uh, not dissimilar from the situation that we see on the retail front where walmart is selling instant pots and paper towels and posting up their walmart health business right um and and that and the stocks are looking good so i think you know some of when gail and i started talking about this you know some of what sparked it was is there such thing as a covid proof kind of care provider and is is that retail health right now? And I mean, Gail, I, I know that you have some thoughts about, about is there such thing as COVID proof on this front? And, and then we'll get into some of that the, the trends yeah. that I think relate to hospital marketers.
1: Yeah, thanks, Luke. You know, we've been, we've been following uh, Walmart since September when they first opened their super health center in um, in Dallas, Georgia, um, as, as such an interesting um a, approach to answering consumers' needs, which is convenience and affordability, the the two elements that healthcare has struggled to provide consumers. So in comes um, Walmart with with their expertise in that and and opens up these health centers and it, and it made a lot of headlines. So now we're in a different world because of COVID. So does that mean that Walmart is Walmart Health is COVID proof? Was that winning formula or what looks like could be a winning formula. Is it going to work in this new context that we're in? And it's interesting, you know, and we, Luke and I started talking about this because we thought probably, you know, that, that those are two such strong selling points, convenience and affordability for consumers. But on the other hand, um, some Walmart stores are becoming COVID hotspots in at least four or five states there have been, um, mm-hmm. that, that, that that's happened. Is that going to dissuade consumers from going to Walmart stores? And is that going to dissuade consumers from seeking health care at their still pilot programs, their two two super health centers? Um, And we looked on social media, and and despite there being some documented hotspots taking place in Walmart stores, it, that doesn't seem to be re- it, it dissuading consumers to go to the stores. There's still lines, they, they still trust Walmart to provide them with, their, um, with affordable necessities, that, that it hasn't disrupted their relationship, which is interesting and brought us to start thinking about how Walmart has built that trust with, with their consumers, with their local communities. And if there's something that we can learn there in terms of um, the trust that, pa- that consumers seem to need now um, in order to seek the healthcare they need you know, in, in any given context, because our own surveys have shown that, that um, patients are afraid to seek healthcare right now. So we kind of wanted to explore that topic a little bit.
2: Yeah, and I, th- I think a big piece to kind of add on to that too is right like walmart has has built a certain level of trust around affordability and, and convenience for for the consumer side but kind of does that transfer to health healthcare um and, and and more importantly potentially um and we'll get into this kind of in the next question probably is you know more importantly does does that transfer into healthcare um our our costs Affordability and convenience going to be as important elements in the in the hierarchy of needs for consumers post COVID, um, particularly when the ante kind of has been upped a bit by the the emergence of a of a global pandemic.
1: Right, and then our question too was um, that you know is there a generational difference in this? You know the millennials have 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 it's been well established don't feel the need for a relationship with their primary care provider? Um, and is, is this global experience that we're all having, is that going to change that dynamic in a way that instead of becoming a, a headwind for healthcare, it becomes a tailwind for healthcare?
0: Sure, sure. So one of the things that would have been interesting to do um, is extend the survey that we've done. Luke, I know you've been a big part of that. Um, you know, we've been asking, you know, when are you going to be comfortable going back into a hospital? When are you going to be going comfortable going back into an emergency room? We've actually done some localized versions of that survey that have, <laughs> that have added physician offices, urgent cares, um, and outpatient surgery centers. And we didn't add retail. First of all, I think if you ask consumers... Are you comfortable going back into retail health? They have no idea what what that actually means. Yeah, that's right. Um, but but you know you can you can imagine that emergency room was the worst, hospital was second, you know, outpatient surgery was third, and then doctor's office was fourth in terms of like fear. So as you go down that hierarchy, people are less fearful, understandably, because where did COVID happen? Happened in emergency room first, then the hospital. Um, but I wonder whether if you came all the way down to Walmart whether it would go up a little. And the reason I say that is because we don't know. I'm just speculating. Um, I think about my own personal experience. The grocery store is still a, I'm more scared of the grocery store than I am of my doctor's office. Um, And there's even a hierarchy of grocery stores. I don't want to maybe put any brands on the spot. Let's just say we shop at Target. And I, I love Target and my wife does the shopping because I can't go into grocery stores. I'm not supposed to. So she does that. She's also doing the shopping for my parents who are who are really health compromised and older. Uh, but they prefer to go to a different brand. And it's kind of a step down brand. It's not Walmart. It's not Target. I won't name it. Um, but the first time she went there and a few times after, she's been like, I don't want to go back there. Like, it's not clean um, nobody's wearing masks. They don't seem to really be taking this at the same level as like Target. I don't know where Walmart is and all of that, but I do wonder whether there's a little bounce back up of like, well, I would rather go into a sterile physician's office than a Walmart for healthcare during COVID. I have no idea. Um, I'm just throwing that out there.
2: Yeah, and there's, a, there's, an interesting, there's an interesting timing element of that too, right? Where mm-hmm. uh, Yes, um, I think Walmart has probably a, a brand hurdle f- to get over when it comes to cleanliness and, um, and, and potentially even safety, particularly in the health space. Um, but, uh, but they're also opening shiny new facilities that popped up, you know, a- about halfway through this as well. And so if it's part of the consumer consideration... Um, that I that I do or I don't want. Well, more likely that I don't want to go into a care environment where COVID patients have already been. A, a new retail health facility that has you know nice white walls um, might not be um, might might not be unattractive.
0: Sure. Yeah. So let's let's put that aside, right? So that's really just related to where we're at or have been with COVID but let's talk about moving out of COVID and and kind of go kind of before and after so the question about Walmart and other entrants was pretty straightforward so you can throw in CVS, um, you can throw in Walgreens as two other examples that are kind of at the same level of Walmart. Um, It was all about whether these entrants would be a competitive threat to primary care and retail care uh, for traditional providers Um, that was where it was before. As we come out of COVID, you know, do we see anything changing? Do we see a different dynamic potentially to that equation?
1: Quite possibly, because what we, what our survey also has shown is that people are relying on their local hospitals and health systems for information they can trust about the the pandemic and how to stay safe. Um, and so the question is after COVID, are people gonna go back to just trusting themselves to get the care they need wherever it's most convenient? Or is this an opportunity to continue building that trust and building that relationship so consumers go back to thinking, yeah, I do want a one-on-one relationship that lasts for years with my provider. Um, You know, we have the trust and we have the authority in healthcare that the retail like Walmart May not yet have established with consumers. So, is this is the new context that we're in an opportunity to remind consumers this is how you stay healthy over the long term, and these are the these are the voices that you can trust for your information to stay healthy.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's always been an argument going all the way back to the ACA, where you know systems like Geisinger and Intermountain were held up as the model. Um, and, and really that was around the idea of integrated care, the importance that, you know, the importance of having one place that does everything for you, because then you have somebody who's got a holistic kind of view, right? That's where you had, um, oh, I can't remember what they were called now. Luke, what were they called? Physician homes, medical homes, right? Um, I'm not even saying it right anymore. I've totally forgotten about what those were.
1: Um, it's considered medical home. Right. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um,
0: that was the whole principle of it, right? Yes. And so you, these new entrants are disruptors to that to a degree. It's one thing, I think, to say, well, you can go get a flu shot anywhere, who cares? It's another at a primary care level, right?
1: Yeah, and that's, that was a service and, and, and an element in life that was once considered essential. And gradually has been eroded. So the the PCPs in our communities are, are, you know, had a double whammy in terms of people backing out of the idea that that was essential to their and their family's well-being. And then, of course, you know, and then came COVID. So um, so it may be though that on this global level, rather than on an individual level, which is generally how we begin to understand that we actually need primary. Uh, a primary care relationship is because something bad happens to mm-hmm. me or to my family. And we're like, Oh, I need to, I need a doctor who knows everything about us so I can go back to all again and again. That ha- usually happens on an individual basis. As you get older, you begin, these things happen. And, and so you establish that relationship, but now it's happening on a broad societal basis,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is quite interesting. So what is that going to do? Our, You know, it, across the board, is it possible that consumers are going to s- suddenly realize that we all need a patient-centered medical home or, s- or someplace we can go for life is more complex than we realized, perhaps, and that's where our PCP comes in.
2: Yeah, and it's, I think it's not for a lack of business challenges that will be f- that, you know, hospitals and, and physicians, uh, you know, physician groups will be faced with, in a post-COVID world, right? It's it's going to be a it's it has been and will continue to be a very big hit to business. Um, but I think some of what we're we're starting to what we're starting to see and what what is likely to happen here is you know regardless of your of your age or what you might have considered your preferences to be um, around primary care and needing a dedicated kind of one person or one institution to kind of turn to for all of your health needs. Um, it, Uh, you've been hit with something in in this time that is threatening to all of us. Um, And I think, I think that poses from just a, um, from a trust perspective, irrespective of business things, which I think Jared and others will talk about on Wednesday um, from a trust perspective that sets providers um, in your, in our listeners kind of uh, organizations up for a very, Um, a very long and trusting relationship with consumers that's different um, in a post-COVID world as well.
0: Well, and let's talk about um, how far traditional providers have come in an extremely short period of time. Oh my goodness, yes. In terms of convenience and affordability, primarily through virtual visits. It's the only way many primary care docs have been able to connect with their patients. Um, And I'll just use, again, anecdotal, but we know there's plenty of research that supports this. My provider, you know, I have have got chronic issues, so I have to see my doctor at least three or four times a year, and I would always have to call. I always have to schedule. I just to drive like a half hour to his office and drive back, Um, and I'm sure I'll still have to do that to a degree, but now um, they've instituted virtual visits seemingly overnight, and now not only is that uh, a way that I can connect with my provider. I can just go online. I mean, this sounds crazy. Like it sounds like I'm from 1974 or something when I say it this way. <laughs> I can go online and just pick the day and pick the hour and, I, and I've scheduled it. Like it's that convenient and it was never that convenient before. And I think that is the, that is the, the norm for traditional providers, not the exception, uh, but that's changed now. And so at what point will I go, well, it's just as easy for me to connect with my doctor online, as it is to go to Walmart—that's even three miles down the road. So it might even eliminate um, that differentiation in the first place.
1: Right, and it's much, um, much safer in terms of exposure. It's easier, and the whole clothingless factor becomes—you immu- know—it it, it, it doesn't matter. You don't worry about exposing yourself by going anywhere. So they really—it did leapfrog them over the, the, the advantages that Walmart's and other retail care had.
0: Do we know, can I ask you guys this? I don't mean to put you on the spot. Do we know that with Walmart health and primary care that you have a single primary care provider, if you use them, or is it literally whoever's on shift like an urgent care that you go and you see that person?
1: My understanding is it's on shift.
0: Okay. So kind of like an urgent care model. I mean, I, I, I I do think what you guys are talking about has a lot of merit. If that is also the case, um, because again, I'm going to have to explain. Like I know there's a medical record, right? Uh, but I can tell you my medical records. Like if you had to read it, you know, get some coffee. Going to take you some <laughs> while. I'm not going to trust walk it into, you know, whoever's randomly there that they're going to understand my situation. It's just like an urgent care. And I'm okay with that on urgent care if it's a broken arm or a flu shot. I'm not okay with that in terms of a chronic situation or even if you don't have a chronic situation, you just want that continuation of care. You want integrated care. You want somebody to understand you. I'm not sure how that's going to fly.
1: Right. And I think there's an, an, another layer beyond that um, in terms of wanting, you know, that, that may come out of this. And it, you know, you want to know that you, you are understood as a whole person by people you know delivering your health care. But there's also this sense of that COVID may be leading us toward in that healthcare we now see obviously um, is interconnected. It's interdependent. We're, we're watching how our communities are behaving in this pandemic um, and how we are all taking steps to, to keep each other safe. And so that's another thing that another aspect that sets retail care and 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 healthcare, particularly primary care, apart and local hospitals, is their um, their work for community good for the good of the community. Mm-hmm. That seems to be a rising consciousness amongst all of us in the, at this point. Um, where Walmart does a pretty good job actually of reaching out to its community. I, I can't say that's true necessarily across retail care. But it's certainly a change of consciousness in all of us that um, healthcare exists beyond our own bodies and our own needs, and mm-hmm. and as and hospitals have come a long way in the last um, five years or so in terms of doing community-based care and population health management, and that act those activities may. Um, May have some effect on the consumer who is also thinking about their neighbors and their and their friends and their family staying healthy in this situation.
0: Great, Luke. One last point before we wrap. Anything you want to, to wrap up with?
2: Um, no, I think I think that the main the main thing to kind of keep in mind for for health systems is. Um, you know the the core of while the core of the business model in many cases is is um, is challenged in the COVID space, um, the core of who they are in their communities is going to be a tough thing to continue to challenge. Um, and so I think not losing sight of that and what makes um, what makes hospitals beacons of of their communities, I think um, from a communication standpoint, I think that's very important.
0: Okay, perfect. Well, Gail and Luke, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Sure.
0: Thank you. that was great. Yeah, great conversation. And I'm, I'm excited because Jared will, I think, pick up where we left off. And um, on Wednesday, when he's back, he's gonna um, help us dive into kind of the, the threats to the business model of primary care, which were there already, as you just alluded to Luke a little, um, but certainly now Um, with COVID having decimated so many providers financially, it's one thing if you're a a giant health system and you can go to the bond markets and you can borrow. It's another, if you're a 10, a a 10 physician practice somewhere, um, and how you come out of this. So what does that mean for our healthcare system in this country? And can we even benefit from the things we're talking about today if those folks disappear? So we'll talk more about that. Um, Chase, thank you as well for joining.
2: Absolutely, glad to.
0: Tomorrow, uh, we're very excited. We have a a special guest, Melissa Tizan. Uh, I have known Melissa for, oh my gosh, a decade probably. She is the AVP of National Communications at Providence St. Joseph, uh, and she's going to be with us. She lives in Seattle, so she was there at the the outset of this whole thing in this country anyway, Um, and obviously working with Providence, which is a huge health system, uh, and so we're going to talk to her about uh, what it's like to, to have been at the, the original epicenter, but also what are some of the things that Providence has been doing, um, both through the, through the crisis and then coming out of it now. So look forward to that tomorrow. Remember to visit thinkrevivehealth.com COVID-19 for a recording of today's episode uh, and all of our content. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, share this podcast with anybody you think Uh, would benefit from it. And as always, keep up the good work. Uh, We're not out of the woods yet. There's still uh, a lot happening with COVID and also trying to support the people that aren't suffering from COVID, but are suffering from all other healthcare issues. We've got to make sure that we are connecting with those folks and getting them the care they need, all of which is driven by communications and two degree marketing at hospitals and health systems. So hang in there. Uh, We will be with you. excuse me, every day that we're dealing (laughs) with this crisis. And hopefully this cough will not be with us every day that we're dealing with this crisis. Uh, But we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Thanks for joining. We'll see you then.